This week's podcast is sponsored by our course, Zero to Freedom Through Cashflowing Rentals. Zero to Freedom Through Cashflowing Rentals is a 10-week online course focused on helping physicians and high-income earners go from knowing little to nothing about real estate investing to confidently buying the cashflowing rentals that will allow them to achieve financial freedom and work in medicine or their day jobs on their own terms. Our course is only open to registration twice a year, so be sure to get on the waitlist at semiretiredmd.com and check out the course details on our course landing page. This episode is sponsored by our brand new course called Fast Fire Bookkeeping for Real Estate Investors. Do you have a pile of receipts and a bunch of statements that are stacking up in your office and the pile isn't getting any smaller? Are your rental properties getting you closer to financial freedom? Do you even know how your properties are performing? Well, the answer to your problem is doing your books the right way, and that's what our course is about. We'll teach you how to set up your books the right way, not just for tax time, but also so you can unlock the insights that will help you maximize your cash flow. For more information or to sign up, go to semiretiredmd.com forward slash bookkeeping. Welcome to the Doctors Building Wealth Podcast, the place where we talk about the strategies, habits, and mindset that separate wealthy docs from those who are not. We're your hosts, Leiti and Kenji. In today's episode, we welcome Chris and Linda Tai to the show. They are the owners of Pacific Rim Property Management and have been managing several of our properties, including our new 32-unit purchase. In this episode, Chris and Linda share a host of valuable property management pearls that you're not going to want to miss. With that, let's welcome them to the show. Today, we have Chris and Linda Tai from Pacific Rim uh, Property Management. How are you guys doing? Doing great. How are you? We're doing good. Thank you. How are you guys? Well, we really wanted to have you two on um, because you're property managers for a number of our properties. And we know a lot of our listeners are newly getting into real estate. They're searching for property managers and they're really wondering, like, what makes a good property manager? What should I be looking for? What kind of questions should I be interviewing the property managers about? And so we were hoping you guys would help our listeners realize what a good property manager is and then also tell us a little bit about your story as well. Yeah. And before we do that, yeah, I'd love to kind of learn more about you guys. Uh, if you can kind of give us a brief background uh, leading up to starting uh, Pacific Rim, that would that would be great. Yeah. So uh, Lynn and I are both retired military. We did, uh, I did 23 years. Linda did 23, 24 years. Managing properties definitely was not in our background. Uh, real estate was for Linda. She's a real estate agent. And uh, I would say back when I went to Afghanistan back in 2009, uh, I went out there to do a special mission um, but when I got out there, they said, well, thanks for coming, but your site is not built yet. You have to build your site. And I had no idea about anything about construction or anything like that. So uh, I learned a lot, you know, so I took a dirt field and turned it into an operations center where we flew operations out of after a few months of construction. And after that, my job was to maintain the facilities. And I actually enjoyed it, you know, understanding what needed to be done, we needed to be maintained you know, kind of developing that eye of like what, what to look for before something big happens. And then when I came back, I took that collateral duty is what we call it in the military. And I took that and I got a civilian job doing that. So we moved east. Uh, I was managing nine buildings. Seven of them were in Massachusetts. Two of them were in the Dominican Republic. And I learned a lot more. I learned a lot about the difference between capital expenditures and regular maintenance. 
I learned about uh, developing a budget for maintenance. I learned about developing a system to get maintenance requests come in and developing customer service around that. And so it kind of developed over time. We weren't really looking to develop a property management company because property management really is not sexy, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, but we both had this desire to just have a company and to develop something. And we're kind of looking at different areas of, of what to get into. And we were really exploring one other area that was completely not real estate related, but we all came back to just like, you know, what skills do we already have and how can we build on those skills and how can we develop business around that? And then that's when Keikoa came in. It was kind of like a a God thing. Keikoa out of the blue said, Hey, are you interested in uh, starting a property management company in Seattle? I'm like, actually I have. So uh, yeah, that's how we uh, got started. And, um, and here we are today. And what are the different roles that each of you uh, do within the company? Because we are always curious when we see a husband-wife <laughs> team and how you split the work and how you manage uh, working together. Yeah, Linda, go ahead. So I'm the boss. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the office manager. So a lot of times I'm seeing a lot of the information coming through before Chris sees it because he's on the road a lot too. But I'm kind of just managing all of, the, the influx of maintenance requests that come in, the the applications that come in, all the leads that come in. So, and and we do have uh, a staff, and Chris can talk more about the the staff and team that we have. Okay, yeah. So I, <laughs> what we kind of decided is that um, Linda kind of is the face to all of the residents, and she deals with with the leads and leases that she she mentioned, and I'm kind of more facing the owners and, and working with them. So that's how we kind of draw that line. And she's really good at when I cross over into her lane, she kicks me out pretty quickly. But when she crosses over to my lane, I actually welcome the help. So, (laughs) you know, I'm I'm a little more gracious than that. But um, we definitely, one thing that she and I learned in the military is where to draw those lines and making sure that we're not jumping into her lane. Because uh, sometimes when you're doing that, you're duplicating efforts and two people are doing the same thing and you're just wasting time. And it just confuses things. So we made that clear from the get-go of how we're going to operate as a team. And obviously, as we grow, it gets more complex and more things pop up. And like, okay, we haven't handled that just yet. Who's responsible for it? Who's going to be the lead on it? And who's going to be overall like looking over that? So um, it's it's a, it's a thing that we're developing as we go, but we, we definitely have a pretty good system so far. And Chris did a great job of having uh, meetings almost every week to kind of determine where our strengths were and where our passions were so that we were working within our strengths and our passions. And that's what was going to make the, the company successful. Yeah, I really, I really love this way that you guys actually split it up because we've seen lots and lots of different models for property management. So for our students who are out there, you know, starting to interview property managers, there's a lot of places where one person will just manage everything for a building, right? There are a lot of places where there are 10 different team members and each are managing a certain part of it, right? Which is like one person's in charge of signing new leases, one person's in charge of renewals. And, you know, each model has a strengths and weaknesses, especially from the owner's perspective, right? But it's so interesting you guys split it to owner-facing and resident-facing. I think that's really a unique model. Yeah, yeah, I think it is. And I think it's great that you guys split up those roles. Uh, One of the things that we did early on was you know, make Letizia the CEO of our you know semi-retired business. And I was in charge of our real estate portfolio. And so separating those roles is so yeah. important and having somebody who's in charge of one versus the other, I think is really important as well. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
So one other difference I've noticed from you guys compared to a lot of other property managers is your model for pricing. So a lot of property managers will charge like a percentage per month, but then also charge up lease up fees. And you guys are a little bit different in that you just charge percentage per month. Can you talk about how you came up with that? Yeah, we decided that there's a lot of things that we saw that other companies uh, charge for that we feel is implied as far as being a property manager, right? So we feel that if you're going to do a lease, that's part of managing a property. So why charge you guys for it? We already assumed that there's going to be a lease involved and we started this business. So certain things like that, we feel like we could like to call ourselves all inclusive. You know, there's certain things obviously that we charge outside of that, but things that are like coordinating maintenance, doing leases, doing a management agreement, and there's no onboarding fee, things like that we feel like is part of being a property manager. So we just included that in the price and we don't charge your owners on that. Yeah. And I think that's a big deal for those of you listening as well to when you're interviewing property managers, always to ask about these things um, because a lot of property managers will charge you for all kinds of things like a markup for maintenance, right? So if they're calling Mm -hmm. the plumber and the plumber charges a hundred dollars, they're going to put 20% on top. We've run into that a number of times or a lot of hidden fees, right? Like, oh, we're going to force you to buy vacancy insurance and charge you a certain amount per month. Mm -hmm. Or if we are going to go inspect the property for you, we're going to charge you a certain amount per month. We've even had things like we're going to put a for rent sign in front of your building and charge you $20 just to put up the for rent sign. So so those little charges, they add up a lot. So you always want to be cognizant of, you know, yes, the initial fee may look a little bit lower, but look for uh, for other charges that are going to come at you as an owner. Absolutely. I think we're giving them ideas for additional. <laughs> I was just thinking, writing it down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. I'm I like kidding, it. I'm kidding. No. I, I remember from one of our earlier conversations that, you know, Chris was uh, saying that, you know, really, you know, we want the incentives to be aligned, right? Mm-hmm. Ultimately, right. you know, you're doing it that way because you want to make sure that uh, the fee is for managing the, the overall property and actually you're incentivized to get really good tenants and hold on to them. Absolutely. Right? Not, mm-hmm. not make money on releasing. So I think right. that that was one of our earlier conversations. One of the things that I really loved about absolutely. that kind of flat fee model. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If, if you guys aren't making money, we're not making money. So it's our best interest to really put someone good in there and not to, uh, you know, keep nickel and diming to keep that person in there. You know, as long as they're in there paying their rent, we're all happy. Mm-hmm. So that's a great question, actually, that comes out of that, which is, how are you screening the tenants? And what advice do you have for people who are going to self-manage and screen the tenants from your experiences? Yeah, Linda is, she's a stickler on this. So I I kind of, I mean, I, I'm a former police officer, but you would think I would be doing that. I kind of like step away and let Linda do it because she loves reading contracts. She loves digging and making sure that everyone's telling the truth. So I'll let her answer this one. Yes. So I'm the one that is reviewing all of the applications. I would say I, Chris thinks I have a passion for this, but I mean, this, this all started back in the military. I, I did a lot. I was in the military intelligence fields and I did a lot of reporting on various things. So, and I have pretty good discernment and I can kind of pick up things that normally people wouldn't see. For instance, I just picked up the fact that our recent applicants, they were using, there were four applicants there were going to be roommates for a certain property and they were using each other as uh, the landlord reference. And obviously the company that we use, the third party company that we use to process their background, 
they're not picking up on that. They're just seeing a name and a person to contact. But I noticed that they were using each other uh, as a reference for that background check. So obviously that's going to invalidate any residence history for them. But just with that, just scrutinizing everything that they give us, if they're giving us copies of their pay stubs, I want to make sure that those are accurate copies, that they aren't, you know, made up copies that someone did on their computer. And there are ways that we can determine that. I don't want to get into that here, but there are ways we can determine that. And there are sob stories. We've heard so many sob stories, (laughs) but they, you know, if they're not going to call you back or if they're not going to provide you the information that you asked for in order to move forward in, in the application process, then you know that they're not true or genuine. And it, it, we, we kind of use that too. Linda and I will discuss this as we're eating dinner or whatever, and she'll bring up a scenario and like, yeah, you know, they're not providing their information or they're just complaining about this or whatever, you know, and there's just yeah. a lot of question marks and it's just kind of an indication of what kind of resident they'd be. Right. Right. So, um, it's not on us to get them qualified. It's on them to get qualified. And if they're not willing to do it, then they don't meet the cut. Are you guys calling also previous renter owners of those tenants um, and kind of hearing about how they are in other as, as tenants before? Yes. So the third company we use, uh, they do call those references. And if they're not able to get through, they'll let us know that. And that's one of the criteria we have on our website is we do need to verify residence history. And living with your parents the last two years is not residence history to me, you know. So that's one of the criteria that we have to make sure you have residence history. If you've been living with your parents for two years, we might be able to make an exception for you, but you have to meet all the other criteria. And uh, can you talk a little bit about COVID and what that's done uh, to property mm-hmm. management? I know. And this question really is not just about COVID, right? It's just about any, mm-hmm. any, you know, anything that happens in the future that changes the environment, right? And, and can you talk to talk to us about some of the challenges you guys have faced with COVID and how you guys have been handling that? Yeah, you know, COVID has made things a lot of fun. You know, <laughs> it's, it, well, the, I guess the positive side is that it, it makes you, when you're kind of put in a corner a little bit, it cr- makes you get creative. Like, okay, what mm-hmm. can we do? Okay. Here are the rules. Okay. Then what can we do? But still within the rules, right? We've been fortunate enough. I, I'd say in December, uh, we did a report in December. We had 95% of our tenants pay rent on time, which is nice. which is great. I think that's above the national norm. But it, it seems that in January, it looks like it kind of went down a little bit. Maybe it's because they extended the moratorium. I'm not quite sure. Uh, but we take that as um, an opportunity to reach out to see, you know, what's going on in their lives. You know, maybe they need some help. Maybe they forgot. You know, we, we can come across that a lot. Oh, I forgot. <laughs> I'll pay my rent now. But, uh, you know, we've developed uh, a process. And Linda can probably talk a little bit more about this, where uh, we identify who has not paid rent. We give them a little grace period. We contact them and say, hey, what's going on? You know, you're a little late. Oh, I forgot. Or, oh, you know, I don't get paid till the third or whatever. And then we make notes for each resident that uh, we contact. And then we put that on the owner's portal so the owners can kind of see how we're communicating with the residents. But we're also kind of exploring some other ideas. We we tried uh, working on some cash for keys um, scenarios where, you know, know, some residents are having a, a bit of an issue. And I was able to talk to him and say, hey, you know, I, I understand that you guys are having a little bit of a hard time. Let's explore some options that might be the best thing for you guys. Maybe you guys can move to, with a relative or, or whatever. And recently we had a resident who's actually moving across country to their relatives. And I, and I said, well, you know, go ahead and do that. I, I really don't want the rent hanging over you and stressing you guys out. So, you know, maybe that's the best option. We'll just 
call it clean, right? Going from there. So it creates us to get a little bit more creative, but it does cause some stress on our end too. I mean, we represent the owners and we know the owners are stressed about it too, because they're not sure if they're going to get the rent. So uh, yeah, it's just, uh, it, it's created a, an opportunity to get creative and to be able to, I don't know, just create a way to provide more customer service in different areas. I don't know if that makes sense or not. For sure. Yeah. Sounds like you're getting into Linda's lane though, there when you're talking to <laughs> <laughs> Well, Step okay. Out, so <laughs> we, we, this is what we do. So Linda, Linda will talk to them on the phone, but I, I can go, you know, cause my police background, I don't mind knocking on a door and talking to somebody, you know, and I'm okay with that. I'm cool with that. I think that works out better because she's at home um, majority of the time with the kids and stuff on the phone. So, but yeah, you're right. There's a little bit of like, okay, I'll step into your area, but I'll debrief you afterwards. So you got it from here. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, we, we've also had property managers who are running their own show and like one of our property managers in Spokane, she carries a gun with her, right? Because mm. it, it can be dangerous work. I mean, yeah. I really respect, you know, I've seen you, Chris, um, interact with our tenants and mm-hmm. you are always respectful and kind, mm-hmm. but I can imagine you get into some scary situations at times too. Oh yeah. There's an incident. Was it last month? Mm-hmm. We, Linda identified someone who is subletting, which you can't do. So I knocked on the guy's door and, uh, you know, my experience as a police, I was a cop for 10 years. So I know the way someone stands that they're holding something behind the back. So I, I know he was holding a knife behind his back as he was talking to me, but I was able to handle that just because I've been in that scenario so many times. Um, and I think my experience being a police officer has helped me with, you know, knocking on the door and talking to someone and, you know, what could be a, a nervous and kind of a could easily escalate a little bit high pretty quickly. I've learned over 10 years of being a police officer how to de-escalate certain scenarios. So um, I'm, I'm totally comfortable doing that stuff. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, yeah, it's been great. Yeah, And also, Chris has been helping us uh, install security systems as well. So he's got a lot of I love that stuff. there as well. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I you would. So, yeah. 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 I mean, I think ultimately, yeah, it helps, helps us helps you, I think, too, right to to be Absolutely. able to identify people and actually spot them and catch them in, in whatever act they're doing. And so for me, it's, it's not just not just for the security of, you know, our, our building, but also to assist you guys in, in helping to kind of clean up our properties. Absolutely. And also helps us identify which dog is leaving their mess behind and the owners are not cleaning up. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's a, that's a really big one. Yeah, yeah. The landscape is good that. So maybe we can shift a little bit and talk about social media and marketing, because I think that's uh, something that is done badly by a lot of property managers and a lot of owners as well. So can you talk to us about how you market properties and how you make them look their best? Yeah. So for marketing, so there's marketing for the properties and then marketing for the company. Marketing for the company, we're still kind of new to, so we're kind of developing that now and we have some goals to hit for this year. Uh, But for marketing the property, Linda could actually speak a little bit more to this. Actually, why don't you go ahead and talk about Linda? We use Tenant Turner as software and she can talk to you more about that. (laughs) Yes. So before... We were kind of just using, you know, obviously we, we can put it on Zillow through the software that we use. We could put it on Zillow and then Zillow was wonderful enough to say, hey, we're going to stop doing all this free stuff. You guys have to pay us for it now. So we wanted a way where we could incorporate all these leads from these various sites, including you know, the paid Zillow site that we have to do now, but incorporate them all into one so that we could see all the leads at once and then we could automate it. So that whenever a lead came in, they would automatically get information about our property. 
They would automatically um, be able to schedule a property. If something was um, available for showing immediately, they would get notified. If a listing came off the market, everyone that applied or inquired about that property would get notified at the same time. So it just cut down a lot of the the background, you know, all the work we were doing. But at the same time, that all goes all that um, all information that we put in tenant turn it goes out to all the syndicated sites. And then we have a marketing person on our team that adds to that. And she puts uh, flyers for each property on our Facebook page so that we can share that to the various groups that we're part of. Yeah. And also I've, I've seen some of the, your videos, your walkthrough videos that you post on, that. let's say Instagram <laughs> or those types of different outlets. Uh, have you kind of noticed, you know, has it generated any leads for you guys? Oh yeah. So um, our marketing person, Maru is her name. She tracks all the uh, data that comes in and, and the analytics and at first, you know, Linda and I were not video people, you know, we're, we're just like serious, straight face people, you know, <laughs> but I, I did a couple of videos and Maru says, Hey, you know, the videos are getting more hits on Facebook than anything else. So you need to start doing them. So we made it part of our system to where um, whenever we list a property, we have photos, you know, and we have an internal system of who does what And my job, Maru tasked me with, okay, you need to go to this, this apartment and you have to go make a video. And on top of that, you have to talk about what in the local areas close by are there restaurants is there shopping is you know is there highways they're the base or whatever so there's certain things that she wants me to hit in that video so that way when people listen to it they're like oh wow that's exactly where i want to be and we had a young lady in korea in the army uh she's doing some research and she saw a couple of our videos and uh, so she hit us up on facebook and she said hey you know i'm interested in these uh, properties because I know they're close to base because I said that in the video. So we, we talked back and forth. I think she gets in town this week. So she's going to check out uh, one of the units. This episode is brought to you by Dan Peck of Caliber Home Loans. If you're an experienced investor, you'll know just how important it is to have a lender who knows how to work with investors. Now we've been working with Dan and his team for over five years now, and he's our go-to whenever we need a residential loan for our investment properties. Now, if you're new to investing, you might not know this, but your lender can sometimes be the difference between getting a great deal or completely missing out on it because your lender couldn't close the deal. Now, I did want to point out that Dan can help you not only with your investment properties, but also if you're looking to buy a primary residence or a vacation home. So the next time you're looking for a residential lender, be sure to email Dan at semiretiredmd at caliberhomeloans.com to get a free consultation. podcast is sponsored by our course, Zero to Freedom Through Cashflowing Rentals. Zero to Freedom Through Cashflowing Rentals is a 10-week online course focused on helping physicians and high-income earners go from knowing little to nothing about real estate investing to confidently buying the cashflowing rentals that will allow them to achieve financial freedom and work in medicine or their day jobs on their own terms. Our course is only open to registration twice a year, so be sure to get on the wait list at semiretiredmd.com and check out the course details on our course landing page. Awesome. Yeah, that's great. And then, you know, one of the other things that we've been doing uh, on our end is kind of providing you with the resources. So we've been trying to provide professional photos, and then we virtually stage those photos. Have you have you noticed uh, any difference between the owners who do that versus uh, use kind of their own point and shoot camera or their iPhone? Have you noticed a difference? Absolutely. We we noticed uh, there's a couple of them where 
they were on the market for a little while and then we got professional photos and uh, virtual staging done and within a couple of weeks they were, they were taken. So we took that as good feedback and, uh, and an opportunity to provide some service on our end. So we are exploring and kind of experimenting on our end, what it would take to actually provide that service for our clients. And so that we could say, hey, if you guys want us to market it, we could do it this way. You know, it'd be an added fee, of course, you know, because it's there's a cost on our end just because we know the value of it and it does get the units uh, moving pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah that sounds great. I, I mean, that, that would be a great added value for sure. And, and it'd be a great way for you guys to, you know, supplement the income in a way that's not, you know, it's totally outside of like property management. It's not like putting up a sign for rent yeah. sign, you know, for us, <laughs> yeah. but it's, like, it's an added service that I think is really a really great uh, potential uh, moneymaker for you guys. And, and it would also benefit sure. the owners as well. So I, I love that. Absolutely. Idea. Absolutely. So one other thing I wanted to talk to you guys about is I really think one of your strengths is the ties to the military and getting military uh, renters in for us. And so for people out there who are thinking, you know, should I be approaching a base and putting, you know, making my property known to them as an option for their workers, how would you suggest approaching that? And, and who should they be talking to? And are there any specific rules they should know about? Linda could probably talk a little bit more about the rules. I'll, I'll talk about, there's, so for the military specifically, there's certain uh, websites on base and there's like a homes.mil account that you can get to advertise your housing. We found that we, we really don't get many leads from those websites. Majority, if not all of our military leads do come through Zillow or a site like that. So we kind of focus on that. And it's just a location really that draws the military. How close are you to base, right? And then as far as um, the other part of the question, I think Linda could probably address that a little bit more as far as how that works with the military. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> There's a housing authority on every base and you just have to uh, reach out. Obviously, if you're a civilian, you can't go on base and uh, contact them. So you'd have to contact them by phone just find out who the housing authority is on each base and speak with a representative there and see what you can do to, I mean, advertise uh, your property uh, for that base somewhere. If they have a community bulletin or something like that, that's, that's easy for us because Chris and I can, you know, we're retired. We can get on the base at any time. Um, We can access websites for free for the military and get, get some leads that way. And I would say if, if, if someone is obviously, if you're have a rental property in this area, you need to call us first. But um, if you're outside and you're close to a military base and you're looking to uh, rent, calling the housing authority would be good. But the question you would want to ask is how how's the vacancy on base? How's the on base housing? Is it full? Is there a long waiting list? What's the inventory like outside of base? Is there good quality housing for military families off base? And then ask about the barracks situation too. Depending, like if you have. Um, uh, like we got a, a couple of apartment buildings that we manage right off base over at JBLM. We found out that there is a, a barracks building that is getting uh, vacated so they can do some renovations. So everyone in that building, all the soldiers in that building had to go find a place to live. They're all single sa- um, sailor soldiers. So we just saw an influx of soldiers coming and checking out our places. And uh, just knowing that intel of being able to target these soldiers and say, hey, you know what, these... This is the demographic that we really want to serve because this is Linda and our passion is to, to serve the military people. So being able to, to know that information and to provide something for them. We had, uh, I think, eight vacancies. I think all of them had some kind of affiliation with the military. I think there was like maybe six military, one veteran and one military dependent uh, that came out of that. So um, 
Yeah, just, you know, I, I started making some videos to explain how does the military pay work? How does the housing allowance work? What to look mm -hmm. for? Um, and then uh, some things that Linda and I have been able to do to help out some of the soldiers who have no idea about the paperwork that they need to do for uh, to get the housing allowance. So um, I made a video the other day, Maru's processing right now. It's going to go up on YouTube by the end of the week, just to educate everyone how the military works and how, how you guys can uh, work with them. Amazing. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah. I mean, I know a lot of our, or not wouldn't say a lot, but there are a number of our students who have military backgrounds too, right? Mm -hmm. So I think mm -hmm. this is a great potential niche for them, uh, especially if they're self-managing because they know, like you said, they have that, some of that intel, they understand how it works. So it'd be very easy for them to jump right into this niche and identify markets that are close to these military bases, just like our mm -hmm. properties are right now. Right. And it yeah. also has a contribution aspect that you're taking. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes our students right. are taking properties that are run down and fixing them up and making them great housing. Yep. And now they can provide to their fellow soldier, you know, who serviced the country and contribute in that way. It's a big deal, I think. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Amazing. You know, a number of our students are thinking about self-managing. Uh, and so obviously I understand you guys are property managers, but <laughs> if, you know, for, for advising, like if you were to kind of advise somebody who's self-managing, like what would be some of the, some of the tips you would have for them, you know, if they're kind of venturing into this on their own? I wrote down a couple of tips here. First of all, it's not easy. Mm -hmm. It's not easy work. Your tenants only call you when they're complaining or that there's a problem. They're not going to call you and say, hey, I'm having a great day. Just wanted to let you know. <laughs> yeah, so that's one thing. But I'll, I'll speak kind of on, on the maintenance side. Um, and then maybe, Linda, if you want to talk a little bit on the leases and, and the criteria and stuff. Mm -hmm. But I would say on the maintenance side, don't use big commercial vendors, you know, like the plumbers. If you see a commercial on the TV, I kind of stay away from them because they have to pay for that commercial somehow, and that's through their customers, right? So we don't really use those big commercials. In fact, we don't at all. Uh, we've been able to uh, network and find some good contractors to use on various things. Make sure you take time to vet them, see some of their work. Uh, maybe talk to some of the people that have used them in the past. You know, the good private Facebook groups are, like, are good for that. And then um, be clear on what a maintenance emergency is know what an emergency is and know what, a, what is not an emergency that because you don't want your customer or your tenant's emergency to be your emergency when it's really not an emergency. If it can wait till Monday or wait till when you have time blocked to work on your property, you can wait till then. Obviously, if there's yeah. a flood, there's a fire, there's a power outage, you mm -hmm. know, those are all emergency that need to address right away. But if there's a carpet pulling up, that's not an emergency. You don't have to handle that over the weekend. And let's see here. And then the other thing is, is just think about contingency plans. If something were to happen, you should know right away who you're going to call. If you don't know that, you're going to stress out big time. And then you're just, you're, it's going to ruin your night. It's going to ruin your weekend. You're going to lose sleep. But if you know, like, okay, if I have this, who am I going to call? And are they good? Are they going to be able to respond within a, a day? Or are they going to say, hey, I'm not available till next week? You know, know who you're going to call in the event of an emergency and know the response time. Awesome. And Linda, Linda, can, Linda can talk a little bit on the uh, on the leases and the rental criteria too. Before you do that, can I ask you about yeah, sure. hiring and firing people? Like, are you finding that you're having to do that a lot? So like when you were talking about maintenance, you know, of course you do all your reference checks and all that, check the quality yeah. of the work, but are you finding that still, despite that, you're still having to kind of kind of let people go and replace them with new people? Is that part of a lot of what you're doing? 
Uh, we've been pretty fortunate. I think uh, at the beginning, we, we had to let some people go because we have, we have certain standards. We use a software uh, called Property Mail for our maintenance, right? So uh, when we use a vendor, we assign them a, uh, a work order. And our criteria is, okay, we want you to provide a before picture and a, an after picture especially the ones we use all the time. You know, if there's like, uh, let's say an electrician we use maybe once every six months, they're probably not going to remember to do that before and after photo. And that's, that's okay. But we're talking about the ones who are using regularly. If they don't provide that before and after we kind of give them warnings and then we're like, okay, look, next time we don't, I'm not going to pay you unless I get that before and after photo, because I, how do I know you did the work? I'm not going to drive down there every single week to look at it. Right. So you have to uh, set those standards. Um, if they're not showing up, and not letting you know if they're not communicating well. We had to let go of a landscaper, in fact, for one of your properties because he just was not communicating and uh, he wasn't sending his invoices either when he did do the work. Um, so I, I told him, say, hey, look, you know, I understand you're probably busy, but I think we need to part ways here because we, we need have a certain standard. I don't want the owner getting on me because you're not doing your job. I need someone to do their job. I need to be able to trust that person. But as time goes on, we've found a good group of people that we've been working with, and it's working well so far. I think it's gonna, we're going to run into it again when we grow into other areas, and we're going to have to develop those new relationships. We're going to go through that pain again, but you know, it's expected, and, and that's mm -hmm. part of the game. Yeah. Awesome advice. Uh, Linda, what about uh, on the uh, oh, leasing side of things? Yeah. So on the leasing side, I would definitely suggest that if you're going to show your property, you always ask for a photo ID. It's your property, so you are you are absolutely within your rights to ask for a photo ID. And then just as far as getting your applications, I would never accept a third-party screening report handed to you. There are, you know, people can do their own uh, research. There are companies out there where the person can uh, request their background and a credit check be done. And then you get a copy emailed to you so that they can't retouch it, they can't format it, you know, in a way that will benefit them. So just one of those things to think about, don't let anyone give you, you know, hand you a uh, copy of a credit report. And then as far as collecting information from them, again, it's your property, you want to make sure that they meet your guidelines, you want to make sure that they earn enough money, you want to make sure that the income that they're showing you is going to be consistent income, you know, and obviously, in, in, in Washington, probably in a lot of other states too. But in Washington, you cannot discriminate based on income. So if they're using Section 8 as part of their income, you can't discriminate against that. And you still have to um, accept their application. But it does still mean that they have to meet your criteria. So if they're on a Section 8 income and your minimum criteria is that uh, they have a credit score of 600, say, and they have a credit score of 400, they don't meet your criteria. Thus, you don't lease to them. So just one of those things to, to keep in mind. Wow. And if I can add to that, as far as the criteria goes, I would I would suggest kind of on the legal side is is to write out your criteria for rentals yeah. and just have that provided to everybody. So that way, if everyone comes back and says, "Oh, you're discriminating," well, here's my criteria, and I give this mm -hmm. to everybody. So under know what your criteria is and do some research on that. And as far as leases go, uh, we recommend we're a part of the Rental Housing Association of Washington, and we uh, know that they review their leases every year. And whenever a law changes, they review it again and it makes modifications. So it's within the law. So we just we just use those leases. So I would recommend that you would um, your students would just find an association like that and see what kind of leases that they have and just use them. Awesome. Mm -hmm. That's a great tip. Yeah. Well, that's great. 
Well, good. Well, so we're kind of at that segment of the show where we uh, ask uh, same questions to uh, every uh, every guest that we have. The first question is, uh, what is your definition of rich? Linda, you want to go first? <laughs> so my <laughs> definition of rich would just be uh, being surrounded by family that loves you and, you know, you have family that you love around you. I mean, it, for me, it doesn't matter how much money you have unless you have people, loved ones to share it with. It, it doesn't mean anything. Yeah, I would say that obviously rich is kind of a mindset. You know, you can have a million dollars, but still feel like you're not rich. So I would say for me, it'd be content with the journey that you're on. You know, you can still be pursuing more, but still content with the journey that you're on. Being content doesn't mean you're settling, but being content, like I'm happy with where I'm going. I'm, I'm progressing, you know, and, and I can see the vision and I'm, I'm, and I'm going towards that. I, I think for me, having a rich life is just understanding what your vision is having the mindset that, you know, one day you will achieve it um, and enjoying the journey as you go. Beautiful. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. So kind of when you uh, think about all the people you've kind of met, the successful ones and the, and the, and the rich ones, what is one mindset habit or strategy that you've seen that separates someone who is rich versus someone who's poor? For me, I would say it's an abundance mindset of, you know, a rising tide will raise all ships. There's enough out there for everyone. So no need to just hoard everything, just be, have that mindset of abundance and just be open to share and, and help others. Hmm. Awesome. And I would think discernment. I see, you know, all these successful people, they seem to just have an immense amount of discernment and it just, it helps them immensely with their business. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. That's Very the first cool. time we've heard that. Yeah. That's awesome. Very cool. For all of our listeners who own properties in Washington, can you guys just tell us your coverage area for Pacific Rim and how they can get a hold of you? Yeah, sure. So we, we've got properties up in Oak Harbor. We're kind of venturing off into uh, Mount Vernon. We have some in Everett in uh, uh, Bellevue, Seattle area. But majority of our stuff right now is in Lakewood and Tacoma area. And then we're also uh, branching off into Bremerton. So kind of like the western side of Washington we're operating. You can contact us. Uh, we've got a website, packrimpropertymanagement.com. You can see us on Facebook. We've got a YouTube channel that you'll see that we're popping up more videos. We have a goal of 10 videos a month. So that's our goal for this year. So we're going to be pushing on that. And then uh, our office line, 425-201-1998. And yeah, that's about it. Awesome. Well, thank you guys both for your time today and you. for all those pearls. Thanks for I mean, having us. Yeah, so much to learn about property management. And I, sure. I think people will walk away with a lot more knowledge um, about what they want to do if they want to self-manage or what they want to do if they're looking for a good property manager. So we sure. really appreciate it. Or if they're uh, looking to, uh, to to focus on military housing, right? So yeah. or, or supporting the, the, the military that are living off base. Yeah, so absolutely. Absolutely. Right. Yeah, great. It's our pleasure. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you, Thank you Thank so you. much. The Doctors Building Wealth podcast provides information only and does not provide any financial, legal, tax, medical, or psychological services or advice. You are responsible for your own financial, physical, mental, and emotional well-being, decisions, choices, actions, and results. You should contact a professional if you have any specific questions about your unique situation.